Blog Talk Radio. The following has taken place during Total Sports Live. Contract extension with 16.4 million guaranteed. 
what were your initial thoughts? And I'm going to go to Twin with this one first. Jalil, what was your initial reaction when you heard about this deal? Because I remember in the offseason, we were talking about, you know, Michael Kendrick, you know, is he going to say he's going to go? I mean, you wrote a story about, uh, about Marcus Smith stepping up in that other linebacker stepping up now. But what did this? What was your initial thoughts when you heard that the Eagles were extending Michael Kendricks for four more years? Uh, I was very surprised, actually. Um, I was definitely thinking that uh, it was going to be between Kendricks and Kiko at the end of this upcoming season, and the, whichever one they liked first, what they liked more, they would extend that linebacker. But um, uh. In reaction to the actual contract, I think they they actually got a good deal on Michael Kendrick. He's a very mm-hmm. young, very fast, up and coming linebacker. Um, he was miscast um, in a three four initially, but he's actually over. He's actually doing very well in this um, defense. And I think that you know if he if he realizes that full potential that he has, they're gonna find out that Michael Kendrick is a bargain at this contract that they now have with him. No, you're right about that. A lot of people on Twitter definitely are saying that, you know, the Eagles and that the Eagles got, you know, they signed Kendrick at a bargain deal at this price. And Angela, like 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 Jalil said, he brought up the interesting component. Like, you know, thinking, they were thinking, you know, they could, whoever, whoever, whoever you know, whoever plays better on Alonzo and the Kendrick, they would extend. But now you extend, you extend Kendrick because you extend Kendrick's now and it just makes your linebacking core that much better because there was times, and you and we all know as well, there were times of years when Andy Reid just neglected the linebacker position and we were running out Carlos Emmons and, 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 and Jeremiah Trotter for the second time around. We were that bad, and Mark Seminole was roaming the linebacking core. This has the music to your ears, Angela, that they're keeping one of their young studs, they're keeping him for four more years, and he can more develop in this 3-4 because we don't know what we're going to get from uh, D'Amico as he tore his knee up last season, and we don't know what we're going to get from Kiko. I, yeah, it's a little. There's a little bit of you know gray areas there, but honestly, like I, I'm looking at the front seven, and the front seven has the potential to be downright terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, from what I understand, D'Amico, his timetable is actually uh, pretty swift in terms of recovery for him, so he's not going to you know they'll get him back. And you, you don't. You got to see what you get with Kiko Alonso. But the hype about him is that he's gonna, you know, be a formidable piece. You know what you're getting with Connor Barwin and you know Fletcher Cox. So I mean, it has the potential to be downright terrifying, which you know is is great to see because there have been years past where the defense has been like the real Achilles heel for the team. Ever you know, last year they got bit by injuries, but there were years where that was like a trend that was from you know the opener to season's end. But mm-hmm. this year, it looks like it, it really could be um, a good asset for them in terms of, like, as a unit. Oh, yeah, definitely as a unit. Like you said, the um, you said the front seven has potential to be nasty. I mean, we already seen in the first few games, guys, uh, the, everybody, we already seen the first preseason games, this uh, front seven just explode off the line and just Benny Logan just demolishing offensive linemen and, and and all those great things. So it's great to see that they have Kendricks in the fold. And we're going to see what he does this season because a lot of people were worried that, you know, uh, during the draft, they were like, is Kendricks going to be traded? Is they're going to, are they going to move Kendricks? Is he, is he going to be available in a trade? Are they going to move him? And he, they, they, they stuck by their words. And Chip Kelly said a few weeks ago, you can write it in ink. 
Michael Kendricks isn't going anywhere. He's stuck by his word, and Kendricks is here for the long run. But as we move, as we look back to Saturday's game, what a game. The Eagles, again, come out victorious. The preseason is starting to get a little boring now because the Eagles are just blowing teams out the water. Destroyed the Ravens 40-17 to in the second preseason game. But it wasn't all it was it was good, but there were some moments where some people thought what Terrell Suggs did against Sam Bradford was a little bit dirty. Was his hit legal or illegal? Angela, when you saw it happen on Saturday, you saw Terrell Suggs or T Sizzle, Boston Hard University, when we saw him take that dive almost it looks like at Sam Bradford's knee. What were your thoughts? Did you think it was illegal? Did you think it was legal? There's a lot of things. Kelly said it wasn't a quarterback option. It was a dive. And, you know, Dean Bellino, the officiating crew, said it was a legal hit. What are your, just, what are your thoughts on the whole legal, illegal hit when it comes to Terrell Suggs on Bradford? He went right for his knees. You know, I, I, I rewound that a couple times. He, it wasn't like a... He had dove at him too early and then, like, in trying to whiff, got his knees. Like, he got right, pretty much up on him and went right for that, right for that area of his body. And it's no secret that his knees are, like, are made of glass and that that is what has hindered his career (laughs) from really, like, moving forward in terms of everything. He went right for his knees. So whether or not it was deemed legal or not, it's, it still looked dirty and it still looked like, I know that that's one place that you've had injured a bunch of times so far, and you're you're really not long career. Wow, oh, I'm gonna welcome to the big leagues. Like, cause he's a, he's a veteran. You'd expect more. You expect more, a little bit more respect for like the health and well being of other like players, and not like go to intentionally injure somebody. Like when you go to intentionally injure someone, I don't know. That's just what it looked like to me. And if if I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I feel the same way. Because if you look at it, he dives right at his knees. Right. No, you're right about that. And, and Jalil, you know, uh, uh, T- Terrell Suggs, you know, came out and showed no remorse on the play. Afterwards, Darn, after the game, he said, you know, if you're, if you're going to put your quarterback in that run option situation, then that's what's going in the read option, and you're going to put him in that position. That's going to happen all the time. But do we look at it as, like, like Suggs – just like you said, like Angela pointed out, it was dirty. He dove right at his knees. I mean, everybody looks at it like you can even look at the still shots. Like his, like his head is like already lowered down to the knees, where it's like almost down there. And you know, but it, it just doesn't seem right because it's also a preseason game. And Bradford, this is his first shot. And Kelly said it, it was. I didn't. Kelly said it was. It was a dive play. It wasn't more. He said, and it was. It wasn't a. There's a whole lot of confusion around this whole play. What 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 are your what are your your just thoughts on that? Well, immediately what I thought was that it was definitely a legal play simply because even if it wasn't a dive, um, even if it was a dive, like what Chip Kelly said, um, the the defender is entitled to be confused, quote unquote. Um, so right. he he can do that. Um, anytime you have a a handoff that takes that long, uh, the quarterback is, um, you know, he's eligible to be hit. Now, what I will say, though, is that it was definitely a dirty play 
simply because of the fact that he didn't have to hit him at his knees. You know, he the speed mm-hmm. at which he was going at Bradford, he definitely could have just pushed him. You know what I mean? It's right. not like he was diving from four yards away because he wasn't going to get to the play. He was never even, you know, he never even considered tackling the running back. The running, the running right. back ran in the actual direction that Suggs came from. So, I mean, if he really wanted to make the play, then he would have. I think that he was tired. I think that Suggs was um, – him and the defense were actually very uh, – they were on their heels a little bit. They were allowing plays to happen. They were they couldn't stop anything, and I think that was a frustration shot. Now, I do think that it is a legal play, though. It was a legal play. That's actually a fact, but it definitely was dirty. Um, and I wouldn't really expect someone at, at Suggs' age, at the amount of years he's been in the league, to, to go at somebody's knees like that. You know, like I, I know that a lot of, you know, defensive players complain about, especially defensive linemen, they like to complain about how offensive linemen go straight for their knees on the cuff locks. You know, I wouldn't expect him to dive directly at somebody's knees like that. But, yeah, right. you never know these days, right? No, you're right. You definitely never know these days. And, you know, other than that, other than that play, Bradford had a very good successful first drive. There was a lot of good positive, a lot of positives to take away from um from this from this uh, from this game, um, Bradford played well. And Demarco Murray saw him in the Eagles uniform for the first time on the field. Great, and Kenyon Barner. I mean, this man's got to make the 53 man roster. But mm-hmm. Angela, what did you take away from what did you take away from from Saturday? What did you take away from Saturday night Saturday night's game? Anything that I just said, or am I just totally off of what I said? Or what did you, from your viewpoint, what did you take away? Well, my my only thing with Kenyon Barner is I think I like jumped up in celebration said hey, he really wants to make the team like and he does and I think he <laughs> he has deserved at least like mm-hmm. that kind of meticulous look to where they really you know make a decision on him and not just you know like um just like fly through it I think he deserves like that kind of like really like look about his team and everything but yeah and uh, the secondary the secondary hooray. It's nice to finally see some interceptions from the Eagles. <laughs> I mean, I know it's just preseason. I, I know it's just preseason, but I was very, very excited to see uh, Byron Maxwell and um, Walter Thurman. And yeah, yeah, Nolan Carroll had the breakup for Walter Thurman. And it was just really like I was so excited to see like we were able to actually because we weren't the way our secondary was last year and that's why they lost a lot of games. So now it's like I know it's preseason, but I'm just kind of trying to like hope to myself that we can maybe at some point this season put all that to bed that Walter or I'm sorry that that Byron Maxwell was just like a piece and a really good defense. Because hopefully he would I, I really want to see him thrive and be like the number one guy here. So he definitely you know sign him to be. And it was just great. Uh, that was such a welcome change. That was my main takeaway. It was so nice to see interceptions because we saw 50 of them last season. And not, Definitely. not like they weren't getting burned. They weren't getting burned on the on the rails and stuff. Mm-hmm. They weren't getting burned. It was that. That's the difference right there. That's that's what they. Oh, I'm, that was that was my main takeaway. And obviously, it makes me very happy. So yeah, that was my main takeaway. <laughs> I, I gotta agree. That was, I like those. Man, I like those. Hey, hey, secondary played good. Like you said, when Maxwell had the interception, phenomenal. Then how Nolan Carroll and I and I think Jalil's on the same tangent as me when we saw the secondary and somebody actually turned their head and looked at the football. It wasn't like back Amen. of the jersey. 
<laughs> Whether it's somebody like Bradley Fletcher just having their hands up, like, I'm so helpless, I'm so helpless. Like, they, right. Norman Carroll turns his head around, bats the ball in an athletic play by Thurman. But what was your takeaways from the game? Uh, well, my main takeaway was um, I was definitely glad to see the offensive line dealing a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see the guard play. The guard play, I, I, I thought that, um, you know, we have the bookend tackles that you want to have. You've got the good center. The guards are really important in the run game, though, and, you know, that's how the Cowboys actually, you know, really got DeMarco Murray going last year with those guards, you know, the pulling guards mm-hmm. and, you know, Zach Martin, he was a huge part of their running game. Um, I, I thought that strong our, our guard play was going to be our weak link this year, but it looks like they're going to be pretty good. Um, so it's good to see them gel. It's good to see that the defensive line is still dominant and that wasn't just a fluke. Um, it's good to see, you know, of course it's good to see a cornerback turn his head. Thank God, you know, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, at this point I'm thinking, for, I'm, I'm like really thankful for the little things. All I can see um, with the last two games coming up now, all I'm thinking about is health. You know, I don't want to see too many starters out there for too long at all. You know, maybe Radford out there for another quarter, but maybe that's about it, really. I don't want to see too many starters out there at all. When it comes to Kenyon Barner, I know he wants to make this team. Unfortunately, I don't think he will. And the reason for that is because I don't think that Chip is going to carry four running backs. Um, we're so deep at running back. And I think that um, – Unless we go light at a different position, which I suspect that we might, um, then I don't know if he's going to make the team. Because even though we're deep at running back, you know, and he's playing so well, we're also deep at kick returner. He's not the only kick returner, you know, that that is that is that's capable of making those plays. So right. I really hope I really do want to see him make the team because he's trying so hard. But if he doesn't make our team, he's definitely going to catch on with somebody else's that kick returner, though. Oh yeah, without a doubt, he should catch on with somebody else's because there's like we've seen in preseason, uh, the injuries are just happening out of the blue. And if there's a running back that goes down, the Eagles have the stable to. Uh, to keep it up there and talking about injuries. And you mentioned it, Jalil, you know, you want to see the Eagles. I think we all want to just see the Eagles the last two preseason games come out with no, with no, with no brutal injuries. And it happened on Sunday afternoon, the Green Bay Packers losing Jordy Nelson to a significant knee injury out for a year. Such a big blow for exactly. the Packers. It's just, just a terrible blow in Angela. You know, you're the fantasy, you're the fantasy, uh, a fantasy football person here on the, here this year for us. What is going to be the fantasy impact for fantasy football impact now for for Jordy Nelson? Because a lot of people were just thinking he was going to have a real breakout year. Now, no Nelson. What does that do for it for the Packers wide receivers in terms of fantasy? What does that do for Aaron Rodgers? Well, I, I think it's a secret that Jordy Nelson has been Aaron Rodgers' favorite target over uh, the past two seasons. Um, what I wonder, what's interesting to me is, you know, Randall Cobb is coming off a career-high 12-touchdown season last year. Mm-hmm. So, to you know, he'll get more looks, he will, but if he could, the question is, can he surpass it? Can he get back up to it? Will it be, and if he gets anything less than it, especially with him being the main target, it'll be nothing short of a disappointment here. Uh, plus, his increased um, position in the wide receiver game will take him away from kick returning, which he's had a lot of success at, too. 
And they also, I mean, they, they have depth at the position. They have Devontae Adams and they have Jeff Janis. But mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't, I don't think either of them really are going to be able to match Nelson's production. Only because, right. uh, now, only because Nelson and Rodgers have such a great rapport together. It's like, it's almost like you can see that Rodgers trusts Jordy to, like, throw a really, you know, risky pass because he knows that if he can get it, he'll jump up and get it because they, they have that kind of relationship together. Mm-hmm. While I think, well, I think that, you know, him and Cobb have that as well. Cobb is just not as, as big or as powerful as Nelson is. Um, I think that what it could do is it could really skyrocket the, the value of Richard Rogers, their tight ends. Mm-hmm. I think he could go up to a really high end tight end on that. But I mean, if you drafted Jordy Nelson already, this is, this is why I don't do my fantasy draft until like three days before the season starts. Right. Like I get yelled at by everybody in my league every single year because I always like just don't schedule the draft until like a week before and it's like right before the, the season starts. So everyone in my league, you're welcome. This is exactly why I do that. <laughs> so you're always looking at the high insight, the high insight and then uh very exactly. low. I mean yeah. and then she and she brings it up, especially at the wide receiver position for the Packers, she brings it up, you know. Randall Cobb is he gonna be able to match Jordy Nelson's production and like and like and like Angela said, you know, Devontae Adams and Jeff Janice and rookie Tom Montgomery, it's gonna be hard for those three guys to to match that production that Nelson had because he was on he was starting to where people don't want to realize it, Nelson was really starting to put himself up there in that category of being one of the top guys, top receivers in the league and a lot of people didn't realize that, but he was starting to gain that respected notion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say this though: I think that uh, they're, the the pass, the passing game is not going to suffer all that much for the Packers, though. I don't I don't expect it to suffer mm-hmm. too much. So, right. Um, because just because Aaron Rodgers is so good at what he does, man, I've never seen a, a deep ball as, as good as his. Um, but there are going to be some times where they're going to miss um, the amount of attention that he does draw. So. Well, yeah, but that makes the fantasy value of all their receivers just like spread out even more. Right. There's You're not right. there's not one guy. So that's the thing, like, you know, if you've already drafted him, then you better be on a hunt for some sleepers that like kinda went under the radar and didn't get drafted, like like a Marcus Wheaton or a Kendall Wright. Hmm. I like those I like those selections. I'm I'm currently taking notes right now, I'm writing this name writing this down, Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton. I'm just sitting here just well, taking my little Well I notes. told you well I told you earlier I like to take a slot receiver really late in my draft. You know, slot receivers don't normally get drafted because their you know amount of catches are limited. But if you decide to start a slot on one, you know, one game, it's a very high risk, high reward type situation. Um, mm-hmm. They can have like weeks where they only get like three, four points, and then they have one game, or for whatever reason, they're just the only one who's ever open because they don't do anything. And and if you can time it right and you can make the play right, it just it's. And that's part of the thing, like, you know, you get into fantasy football so you can gamble. So, I mean, I, I looked at Marcus Wheaton as a slot receiver, and it is a very high-powered offense. And with, you know, Antonio Brown being one of the top, you know, wide receivers in the league, I think he'll get, you know, I think he will get overlooked, and I think he's probably going undrafted in a lot of leagues unless you're in, like, a 16-team league. So, if you've drafted Jordy Nelson, not saying he's going to be your wide receiver one, but he might be someone that's actually on the board that you can, like, snag real quick. You're welcome. Oh man! Please yeah. don't bring up. Yeah. Please don't bring up sixteen team leagues. Oh God, they're so horrible. Uh, oh. 
that. And like the, Kendall the, Wright too, like Kendall, Kendall Wright and Mariota have a fabulous relationship in the preseason. So I think Kendall Wright, like he started to surge at the end of the season. I think he's going to get over that hump and like actually, you know, be someone who can provide consistent fantasy football value. And I think that and Mariota really suits him well. So he would be another one. All this fantasy football talk got me thinking. We might have to do a fantasy football pod every week during football season. I'm just still I'm there, you know, with that on top that. of my head. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we'll just ride with this crew for like fantasy. We'll just have to pick a day and we'll do a ride and doing a fantasy football uh, pod every week. I just love the fantasy yeah, football right now. We're just and we're just and we're just advising people. Please stay away from the 16 team leagues. Don't do it to yourself. It's just horrible. Oh no! You know, just, <laughs> yeah. That's when you're. That's when you're like, where can can J? I'm running out of players. Can I please draft JJ Watt? Like you're drafting. <laughs> oh. You're like you're drafting. The, you're you'll draft the <laughs> Cleveland Browns like fifth receiver because there's like nobody left. Oh man, I think I think the TS I think the TSO one last year. I think we did like a 16 team league. Oh, it was horrible because we were literally like I was like scraping at the end of the barrel for like running backs. I'm just like, oh, who to pick up? Who to pick up? And then. Surprisingly, last surprisingly last year I found surprisingly last year I found Latavius Murray just sitting there. Nobody knew who this guy was. Picked him up and he did he did some damage last year. And now surprisingly Latavius Latavius Murray is going to be the lead back in Oakland. And I'm very high on him. I just told somebody in their fantasy draft and I was like, you got to get Latavius Murray. Get him. Well, you know, um, in Oakland. I agree. He's, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do some damage this year. Even Terrell Davis. Um, on NFL Network, he was even saying that he would take he would take Murray in the fourth round. So um, you're going to see that guy. We are based out of Philadelphia. Murray will not be around in the fourth round. <laughs> no, it's here that that's that's really what it is. Like if we if we lived yeah. out in like Wisconsin or something, he'd be around fourth round. But you know what I mean? Like everyone, I, I've noticed that. Like with all mm-hmm. my friends, I'm pretty sure it's not just like my league. Like it's a pattern. Like people tend to draft the Eagles first because it's like, yeah, I want it because you want an extra, you want an extra vested interest in the game. Well, I, well, I will say this though: when it when it comes to fantasy, I try to stay. A lot of times, I try to stay away from Eagles players only because I that's the reason, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to uh, yeah. vested interest all the time. Um, yeah, because then know, if they lose, and then they don't to go out there and get two touchdowns. But I don't think he will. So. Yeah, I had her. I feel your pain. I had hurts on like two teams last year, so I understand. Mm-hmm. I think there's like yeah, a support group for that. He was supposed to be like the top tight end in the league last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're like, welcome to welcome to Earth's Anonymous. Here, we're here today to uh, we're talking about our talk about our problem. Earth is not performing well. We'll all go around the circle my, and talk about it. Or my old team name, Earth, Wind, and Fire. We can call it that. We can reuse yeah, that Earth, pun. Wind, and fire. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, the puns, the puns are ridiculous. If you also need puns from Angela, just follow her on Twitter for like all like fantasy football puns. Just follow one point twenty one JJ Watts is my favorite. <laughs> and and my team, my team name that I have had for like five years, my team has been named this. My team is the T Boners. In my main league that I'm the commissioner of, my team is the T Boners. The T Boners. That is funny. The T Boners. So we got about uh I, no, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, I'm done with that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we got about two minutes here on the pod and that's gonna wrap it up here tonight. We had a great show. We, we knocked out we knocked out everything on the board tonight. We knocked it out. We didn't want to talk about Reggie Wayne because that was just old news pretty much. Reggie is rushing. But uh Either waiver wire at best, week to week, stay away. 
<laughs> there you go, waiver wire. Pick them up on there if you want to go that route. But like I said, we had a great show for you guys uh, for you guys tonight. Um, if you missed tonight's show, you can always check it out on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. You can also check out any of our missed ones again on TuneIn Radio and the TuneIn Radio app. Just search the TSL podcast. You can catch them on there so you can take it with you right on your cell phones to download devices you can go do that as well um but like i said we had a great show we talked about everything and we'll be and we're going to talk we're, trust me this football season will be crazy we're having a lot of football talk like i said we just came up with like a fancy football pot on the like on the, on the fly so be prepared for that we're definitely going to try to get that in the works and um that's pretty much it for the for the rest of the show just be prepared we got a lot of uh a lot of great stuff coming out on uh on the site this week a lot of good stuff uh spec more eagles a lot of college, uh, more college football stuff on the site as well as college football season is starting very soon. Um, also, before I leave out, uh, we got to give a shout out to uh, Julian Hauser, who is still with the New York Jets. His, Yay, he's, Julian! He's very he's a 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 that's one way to definitely do it, playing both sides of the football. But that's going to wrap it up here tonight on the pod. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Joe Vontek. Follow Angela on Twitter at Ange Montone on Twitter. And also follow Jalil. He's new on Twitter, guys. Follow him right now. Hit that follow button at Jalil Phillips. Follow him on Twitter. Follow TotalSportsLive.com. Got a lot of great stuff. That's going to wrap up the show. We'll talk to you guys maybe sometime this week or next week. But we'll be talking to you guys. Have a good night and uh, stay safe out there. Bye, everyone. Have a good night.